Hey there, and welcome to Online Worship. My name is Megan Honig. I'm the Associate Pastor here at Crossroads, and it's so good to be in online worship with you today. Today we're taking a little bit of a break from our First John Sermon Series, and we're just doing a standalone one today. Um, and I'll be preaching from the book of Hosea. It's one of my favorite Bible stories um, from the Old Testament, and so I think you will really love it today. It's uh, one of the best love stories that the Bible has. So uh, we'll get started in just a minute. So before we do that, let's uh, give God a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for today and for um, online worship and the ability to be able to worship together, even though we um, might not be physically together. God, we thank you for this space. God, I pray that as I preach today, that you would just lead my words and my thoughts and let them um, be only yours, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So if you are not familiar with the book of Hosea, it's one of the prophet books in the Old Testament written by Hosea, who was a prophet that foretold many things and God really used um, in the Old Testament. So the book of Hosea was written by Hosea, um, who lived in the northern kingdom of Judah, just about 200 years after the split from the southern region of Israel. The purpose of the book of, of Hosea is to remind the Israelites and us that our God is a loving God whose loyalty to his covenant people is unwavering. In spite of Israel's constant rebelling and returning to worshiping false gods, God's steadfast love is portrayed in the long-suffering husband of the unfaithful wife. Hosea's message is also one of warning to those who would turn their backs against God's love. Though the symbolic presentation, through the symbolic presentation of marriage of Hosea and Gomer, God's love for the idolatrous nation of Israel is displayed in a rich metaphor of judgment, sin, and forgiving love. So today we'll be looking at the story of Hosea and Gomer in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, and then in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Um, so let's start with the first half of that story in Hosea 1, verses 2 and 3. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For an adulterous wife, this land is... For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Dibulam, and she conceived and bore him a son. So the first thing that happens is the call of Hosea that God tells Hosea to go marry a promiscuous woman and to have children with her. And that's one way to kick the story off, right? Go marry a prostitute and have a baby with her. Okay, like, don't know what God's saying to him there, but uh, God sure did like to keep it interesting in Hosea's life, I guess. So Hosea, being the God-fearing and righteous man that he is, he walks across town, crosses over to the wrong side of the tracks, knocks on that brothel's door, and a young girl opens the door, and it's Gomer. And Hosea gets down on one knee and proposes. He does exactly what God tells him to do. And now let's think about this for a second. This is a small town that Hosea lived in. The villages in this time were probably only made up of around 150 people, so not that many people. It's a town where everyone knows everyone, and everyone knows everyone's business. You might have grown up in a town like that. It's very interesting. 
And Hosea is the local holy man. He's the town pastor, as um, if you will. He's the prophet. And everyone looks up to him. So he's kind of the spiritual leader of this town. And if anyone in this small town, where everyone knows everyone, saw Hosea crossing the tracks and walking up to that brothel, it would be all over Facebook before he could even knock on the door, right? People would be talking. And Hosea knows this. He knows that everyone will see what he's doing, and yet he still proposes to Gober. And he knows what her past has been, and he still proposes. And there's Gomer, too. She has a side of the story. She has a past. She has a reputation. She's known as um, a tramp in her local community. She isn't wanted in her town. Her body is wanted, but only by men who are able to pay the price for it. And who knows the hurts that she has suffered, who led her to be in this situation of prostitution in the first place. And yet, this unlikely couple happens. Hosea goes, knocks on the door, proposes, brings her home, and they get married. Hosea cleans her up, cares for her, and is possibly the first man to ever really love her. And then they have three beautiful children together. You guys, this is the fairy tale of all fairy tales, right? Stories like this don't happen often. Gomer was a prostitute who had deep emotional wounds and was sleeping around. And then suddenly the town preacher finds her, marries her, gives her children, and gives her a new life, really. And it's through no work of her own. It was Hosea's obedience to God and his love for Gomer that this broken girl has a new and hopeful life. In her previous way of life, she had no one to love her, no one to take care of her, and now she has a husband and multiple heirs. She has these children, and Gomer is safe for the first time in her life. But when we turn the page and head over to chapter 3, that's not so much the fairy tale anymore. So let's read chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to me, to Hosea, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will be and I will behave in the same way towards you. Hosea is going back to get Gomer because Gomer has turned back to her old ways of prostitution. She's gone back to the brothel, back to sleeping around. And even though she has this new, wonderful, safe life, something about those old wounds has made her scared or anxious or something. And in order to make herself feel better, I'm guessing, she returns to her old life of adultery. It doesn't make any sense 
But often trauma and pain makes us do things that don't make sense. This leaves Hosea here without a wife, with three children to take care of, and his wife is back in the brothel that she came from and where he proposed to her on the porch long ago. And that has got to be painful for Hosea. But God speaks to Hosea and says, go get your girl back. And get this, God says, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. And Hosea once again walks back to the other side of town, crosses the tracks, knocks on that brothel door to bring Gomer back home. But there's a different element to Gomer getting his, to Hosea getting his wife back this time around. Verse 2 says, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. This was the going rate for a female slave in that period of time. Gomer had gotten herself into so much trouble that she had nothing left to give but to sell herself. And Hosea shows up, shekels in hand, shekels in hand, and redeems his wife. Through no doing of her own, Gomer is redeemed back to her husband once again into safety and love. She didn't deserve it. She did all the wrong things, made all the wrong choices, and yet here she is, back home by the mercy and grace of her pursuer, her husband, Hosea. And now when we sit back and look at the grand picture of this whole story, we're probably wondering, what is the point? Why did God ask Hosea to marry a prostitute and then still forgive her when she turned and went back to her old ways? Well, God explains exactly why he has asked Hosea to do this. Verse th uh, chapter 3, verse 2 says, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Uh, that's actually chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Since their beginning... The love of the people of Israel has been God's promise and hope. But the people of Israel have been unfaithful to God. Though God has set them free from Egypt, fed them, clothed them, practically put them through college, and led them through the promised land, the Israelites have consistently been playing this game of following God and then turning right back around and doing the exact opposite. I mean, I know you can remember a few times in Scripture when Israel was unfaithful to God. There was the time that they worshipped the golden calf. Um, there was also when they complained in the wilderness because the food and the water on this trip wasn't up to par. And also they complained that they wanted to go back to Egypt where they were slaves because this whole freedom thing in this time in the desert and in the wilderness just wasn't fun anymore. And then, even when they got to the promised land, they were still always in the cycle of idol worship and disobedience. So what did God do? 
in response to this disobedience that the Israelites had for him. He loved them and pursued them anyway. God never gave up on Israel. He forgave them and had mercy on them. And his mercy and love for them was poured out time and time again and eventually was laid out for them once and for all by Christ's death on the cross. God wanted his people so bad, not just the Israelites, but the Jews and the Gentiles and every other person on the planet, including you and me. He wanted us so bad that he showed up on Calvary with something a little more valuable than 15 shekels of silver to pay our ransom fee and to buy us out of slavery and sin. He bought us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Friends, God sent Hosea to marry Gomer as a reflection of God's never-ending, always-pursuing love for his people Israel and also as a picture of his love for us. Gomer was unfaithful to Hosea. Israel was unfaithful to God. And we today, as God's own children, are unfaithful to him still. But you know what Hosea and God have in common in all of these situations? They had uncontainable, uncontrollable love for their bride, even when she was unfaithful. Hosea prayed the price to redeem Gomer out of slavery, and God did the same thing for us through the death of his son. Y'all, we are some broken, beaten down spiritual prostitutes. Because of our sin and our rebellion from God, we alone hold no value and hold nothing to offer. Yet God pays the price for us with the most precious thing he has because he loves us that much. And I really want you to understand the significance of this. So take a minute and do a little exercise with me. I need you to imagine something. So imagine that you are out car shopping. Your current car is getting up there in miles. There's nothing wrong with it per se, but you just want to look at getting something a little newer, a little nicer. And while you're out shopping and looking for cars, you meet a man who is selling his old car. And as he starts describing the car, he begins to get a little agitated. And as you listen to him, you begin to understand why. He says, this car has over 300,000 miles on it. It's constantly breaking down on me. It has cost me thousands to fix. It is completely unreliable. The headlights don't work. The mirrors are missing. The radio is shot. All the tires are flat and it's leaking oil. And as you look back at the man, you wonder why he's even selling this car at all. It's completely worthless. No one in their right mind would want to buy this car from this man. He'd be better off selling it at the junkyard for scrap metal. It makes no sense why anyone would ever want this broken, beaten down car. There is no way that anyone is going to buy this. But then, then, just as you think this car is going down to the junkyard, 
a man runs up behind the car and he stops the seller and pulls out a sack of money, millions of dollars it looks like, and says, here, this is all the money I have. I need that car. It's just the one I've been looking for and I'll do anything to have it. This man is going to overpay for a car that is worth practically nothing, but he wants it anyway. Friends, you are that car. Apart from God's love and his grace and mercy, you are a dented, beaten, broken down car. You haven't done anything right in your life. You haven't done any you haven't done everything right. You've made a lot of mistakes. You still sin against God. You've got some scratches on you too. Alone and stuck in sin, you're not worth much. But in spite of all your wrongdoings and brokenness, God paid the price for you. He was the one running up and begging to pay for you. And he paid a high price for you through Christ's death on the cross. It is some big love for God to pay that much for your soul. It's love that we in no way deserve, but yet still covers us and is so pursuant of us. God loved you so much that he gave his only son to redeem you back to him. You weren't worth anything apart from him, but he overpaid for you. He gave everything, the most precious thing that he had, so that you could be redeemed back to him. And if you were the only person on earth who had ever sinned or done anything wrong, he would have done the exact same thing. If it was just one person, he would have had Jesus die on the cross to save you. You are worth that much to him. So what ways have you turned from God? What has made you this broken down car that isn't worth very much apart from God? Maybe you can think of a period of time in your life when you turned away from God and no longer had him in your life. Maybe you struggle with idolatry and keeping God first in your life. Lots of people have hidden habits or addictions that aren't faithful to God. Or maybe it's just daily bad decisions that you know aren't glorifying to God. But in one way or another, it all comes down to sin. Sin is the root of all unfaithfulness to God. And sometimes we can really feel stuck in our sin, like we'll never get out, like there's no hope we could ever have to do the work of unsticking ourselves. But no matter where you're at in your unfaithfulness to God, know that God will always be faithful to you. There will never be a time where he doesn't love you, where he doesn't want you, or where he isn't pursuing you. And we know that when we turn back to God, when we confess our sin to him and say, God, will you forgive me? Will you come into my heart? That he forgives us, that he fills us with the Holy Spirit, and that his love covers it all. You might be a broken, beaten down car, but when you accept Jesus's love and forgiveness, you are made brand new. You are a brand new 2023 car, 
pick whichever one you want to be, a Lamborghini, a Rolls Royce, that is what you are worth to Jesus. Worth even way more than that, actually. You are made new in him when you come to him and let his grace pay the price for your soul. So the story of Hosea and Gomer is a reflection of God's love for us and also for his people of Israel. And there's two things that I think we can really take away from the story of Hosea and Gomer. The first is God's unconditional love and that it will always follow us. Hosea's commitment to Gomer, even after her repeated unfaithfulness, mirrors God's unwavering love for his people. Hosea went and got Gomer when she was worth practically nothing and brought her home and loved her and gave her a new life. Just like when we were stuck in sin and shame before we knew Jesus, or maybe you're stuck in that now because you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, we are made new when he takes us, wraps us up, and brings us home and gives us a new life in him. And we can be happy and fulfilled because he meets every one of our needs. But even then, after we've made this new life in Christ, we still turn back to the enemy in one way or another. We all sin against God even after we've come to him. Each and every day, every single one of us sins. There's not a person who doesn't. But God still loves us anyway. Through our repentance and our forgiveness from Jesus, we are made right to be with him again. And God's love is so deep and big and vast that it will always cover us. It's never going to run out. There's never going to be a day where Jesus says, actually, you've you've done enough. I don't forgive you anymore. That will never, ever happen. When we humbly come back to God, repent of our sins, and ask for his love and forgiveness once again, he will always give it to us. So God's unconditional love will always follow us. And the second is that repentance of sin restores our relationship to God. In verse 3, after Hosea gets Gomer back and brings her home, he says to her, You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way towards you. Hosea is calling for Gomer's repentance from sin because he knows the only way that this relationship is going to work is if she acknowledges her mistakes and agrees to turn her ways around and only be with him. And in return, he will honor her. In our relationship with God, it's the same way. When we repent of our sin and return back to God and follow him, God will honor us. He will love us and bless us more than we could ever imagine. It's when we return to God and repent and ask him to be our loving pursuer again. That is when we find true hope in our forgiveness of our sin. So our repentance of sin restores our relationship back to God 
and brings us back into right relationship with Him. And we can do that at any point in time. We don't have to get our act together and then go and ask for forgiveness from God. We can do it right where we are, no matter what's going on. We can ask God for forgiveness and He will give it to us. So the story of Hosea and Gomer, it's a beautiful love story. But what is even more beautiful is God's love for us and His always pursuing of us, even when we don't deserve it, and when we turn back to worship other idols. God always loves us. His love will never run out for us. He will always forgive us for our sins. And he will always be with us, pursuing us, and loving us. If you've never taken that love from God for yourself, if you've never given yourself to God, I want to encourage you to do that. God's love for us and for you is so big that he would pay any price to have you with him. And you can always find life within God, abundant life in him. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the story of Hosea and Gomer. God, we know that we are uh, spiritually adulterous and that we turn to other idols and things in our life when we should only be focused on you. But God, we are so thankful that you sent Jesus to die for us on the cross and that when we come back to you, humbly repenting of our sin, that you will always forgive us. God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace and your patience with us as we learn to walk in your footsteps and to follow you day by day. God, help us to follow you and to help us learn to be better disciples of your son, Jesus. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.